Welcome to Electric Sports Talk, your one-stop show for all things sports. Here at Electric Sports Talk, we focus on sports and only sports. And now, here's your host, Ty Crystal. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ty Crystal. Thanks for tuning in to another fantastic show. This one, a little different. We're going in a totally new realm of the sports world. Something that's not covered by a ton of people, but something our guests and uh, myself show interest in. So we thought it'd be fun to cover it. Something that only happens once, uh, once a year. It's a big event. We're talking about the NFR today. And uh, joining me on the show, Amos, you're back. I'm oh, always you're... here. I don't know why you say <laughs> I'm back, because I'm always here. Well, you know, I do a few shows without you, so it happens. Joining the show for the first time, a new guest, and excited to have her on, Grace. Grace, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. excited to be here. NFR is kind of your thing, rodeo in general. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Good. All right. We're excited to have you on. Um, and then we got our sound man for today, kind of the peanut gallery as well. Uh, Kaysen, you're back. What up? It's nice to have you back. You're, you're gonna Third be, one. You're going to be doing uh, some, some questions for us throughout the show, if you have any, right? Yeah, not, if I can find some. Right, you're not very familiar with the <laughs> NFR, so so you'll be providing us some questions. Uh, that'll be great. Um, are you guys ready to get into the show? Yeah, let's do it. Good. Um, all right. So, Grace, to start the show, we wanted to talk about some of the history of the NFR, kind of where it dates back to, and then kind of go over some of the basics of what the NFR is, how it works, and what you guys can expect uh, if you're new to the sport. So, Grace, give us some history um, of the NFR, and, and tell us a little bit about that. So the NFR, it actually started in Dallas in 1959. That's when the first National Finals Rodeo was held. And then it's just gone to different places, gone to Los Angeles, Oklahoma. And now it's in, well, it was in Vegas for the past several years. And the NFR is known as the Super Bowl of Rodeo. So... For all you football fans, you'll understand what that is. Uh, the NFR is great for all those rodeo fans, and even for people who don't love rodeo or know a thing about it, because you can go get the full experience without going to any rodeo throughout the year. I think the NFR is probably the best one to go to if you want to go to only one rodeo. So a lot of people might not know how the NFR works necessarily. You hear, the, you hear them referred to as shows every night, right? You have ten shows. Uh, throughout the week. Amos, give us the, the basics of how the show works, maybe what events are incorporated, um, and then what a viewer could expect watching it on TV. Okay, so basically the NFR consists of 10 performances run consecutively, starting on a Thursday, ending on a Saturday. Um, each, obviously at each performance, each there's they bring the top 15 from the total money earnings through the year and then them top 15 compete in each event over the course of the 10 nights obviously if they place one through six they're going to get some money that counts towards the year end standings and at the end of 10 performances he who has the most money is crowned world champion uh, there's a couple ways there's also another way you can earn some money they call it the average so obviously it's called the average for the obvious reason. So say bull riding, you take your ten but your best your rides over ten rounds, you average that out of however many rides you had, 
best average, most points wins. They place top six or eight in the average. That adds into your performance. So that's a little bit of strategy the Cowboys have to go to deal with. Um, so the events are your normal events at most standard rodeos through the year. We start off with bareback riding. Um, obviously, on horses, you're holding on to a handle that's rigged to the horse, kind of like a suitcase. Uh, steer wrestling, big man event. You fall off a horse, perfectly good horse, mind you, onto a steer, <laughs> wrestle it to the ground. And then the third event, usually in order, is team roping. You have a head healer, run out of the box, catch both ends of the steer. Then we jump into what they call the classic event of rodeo, the saddle bronc riding. Similar to bareback, only you're riding with a saddle. Then we jump from the saddle bronc, and I think we go to tie-down roping, uh, the classy event of rodeo. Cowboy rides out of the bar behind the barrier, catches calf, gets off his horse, runs down, ties three legs. And then we have the currently... It's the only event that women participate in at the NFR, and it is the barrel racing. Women ride a horse, turn three barrels in a cloverleaf pattern. Fastest one is the winner. And then obviously everybody's favorite, the bull riding. Eight seconds, holding on to the bull any which way you can. Try to get the highest score. So, Grace, it's a lot to digest. We'll obviously get more into it uh, as we talk about the individual events, some of the athletes and stuff. Um, but when, when we talk about the overall general view of the NFR and what it is, uh, you talked about how it's the Super Bowl of rodeos. Um, and you talked about the importance of it and how people really get into it. Um, what is something that, that draws people that wouldn't necessarily be fans of rodeo to the Super Bowl of all rodeos? I think it's the atmosphere, honestly. You've got all these people that are excited to compete. You've got people who go there every year to watch it, and everybody's just excited. You can feel the energy just boom in the stadium. In a, in a lead-up to an NFR season, Grace, what is a normal athlete expecting? What is, what is the trail to the NFR like? Because when we think about the Super Bowl for NFL teams, as, as we will keep referring to this, I'm assuming, as the teams play a season – the best teams make it, and the best teams perform, and then the winner's crowned. What's a general, a general year or season, I guess, for an athlete in the NFR? So I guess you could compare it to football. They're going to go, the best ones obviously make it to the NFR, but throughout the year you're going to start with no money at all after the NFR. They start fresh, and then you're going to hit as many rodeos as you can, and you want to hit the big rodeos, and you want to make all the money you can while you're on the trail. The only thing that would suck is if you get injured, then you're out. You're probably not looking at the NFR anymore. But if I was an NFR athlete, I'd be driving all over the country to hit as many rodeos as possible. So it's, it's a lot of travel involved. It's a lot of, of endurance, I guess you could say, throughout the season. It's, it's a year-round thing, basically. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of endurance for the athletes and the animals, even. Because if you're doing barrel racing, team roping, anything that you have to ride a horse for, you got to make sure that horse is healthy, too. Because if you don't have a healthy horse, you're not going to win any money. So, Amos, we've talked about the athletes a little bit. Grace has given us a layout of, of a general season that you could expect from a, from a cowboy and what these athletes do. However, she did bring up the fact that there's also the animal aspect involved in this. So when we talk about how animals factor into this, it's not just about the cowboys and cowgirls. It's about 
the animal athletes, as they're called in, in pro rodeo, and how they perform. Because they also factor into to scores, to runs, to times. Is it is it just amazing to watch these animals out there and, and doing some of the things that they're trained to do? I mean, it's it's crazy. What was a general sense of how the, uh, we measure these animal athletes? Well, obviously, rodeo, you're going to have the human element, but rodeo is basically centered around the animal athlete, which, yes, you have the horses that you're team roping, barrel racing, tie down, steer wrestling, but then you also have to look at the animal athlete that's doing the rough stock. I've been around horses, animals, rodeo pretty much my whole life. I feel like the animals are just as much into the sport, if not more, than their human counterparts. The one thing that a lot of the cowboys... The biggest thing you have to find is that horse that can handle, like Grace said, the summer of traveling around the country, hitting these rodeos. You have to find the horse that's going to be able to compete in a venue where there's minimum 2,000 people up to 30,000 people, and then everything that goes along with it. A lot of these rodeos through the summer are centered on events that happened in the region. you got a lot of county fair rodeos. So you have multiple things going on at one time. So it's not just coming in, catching the calf. It's, it's being able to, as the, the horse has to take care of itself, it eats well, drinks well when it's time, it rests when it's time, has to deal with everybody in and out between the trailer to the rodeo and then the aspect of the rodeo and then getting out. So... Yeah, and as Grace mentioned, if you were injured or your, or your horse is injured or the animal athlete's injured, then it, it makes for a long season. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, if, as you get more into rodeo, you'll understand more of the animal aspect of it. It's hard mm-hmm. for the first time. It's easy for the first-time viewer to see a rodeo, see the human athlete, but not necessarily understand the animal athletes. So, so Grace, you, you also mentioned uh, along with this season the, the cowboy takes – uh, there's, there's, you want to find the big rodeos. You want to make the big stops. Um, and I think before we get in to our next subject, let's talk a little bit about some of the big rodeos that these cowboys have hit on the trail to the NFR. What, what in your opinion, is some of the biggest rodeos you can hit? Amos, I know you can also weigh in on this as well. Um, but, Grace, what, what would you say? Honestly, I know one of the really big rodeos that you want to be invited to, I guess, because not everybody can just participate in this one, is the American, which is held in Texas. And like I said, you got to be invited, so you got to be the best of the best, pretty much. And the payout at the American can either make or break you. Like some of these athletes that are on here, they're at the top of their game because of the American. And I think there's ton of rodeos around in each different state that have big money payout. I think you really just got to look at and see which rodeos are close enough for you to hit within three or four days that have the most money to pay out. Because obviously not every rodeo, not every county fair is going to pay as much as the other. Is there a certain strategy when you're hitting these rodeos? Do you try and go for big ones, but you also find money at the smaller ones? Um, our rodeo, our personal county rodeo, is a smaller event. Uh, it pays out not as much money as a place like the American that you would talk about. Is it still important to hit those smaller rodeos along your trail? 
I mean, I would agree with that with certain athletes. I think with the rough stock riders, the bareback, saddle bronc, and bull riders, they can totally hit rodeos like that easy. But if you're if you got an animal athlete with you, like horses, you got to pick and choose which ones are going to be beneficial towards you because you're hauling your trailer and your horse around. So if you're hitting all these small ones, you're not going to make it to the big one because rough stock riders can get in their truck, drive off as fast as they can. Others have to stop for their horses for a break or they have to give themselves a break. So I think strategy does come into play. Is it uncommon uh, to see cowboys hitting multiple rodeos in a day? Could you strategize that? Oh, yeah. Would you hit multiple rodeos in one weekend? Uh, upwards of four, maybe five? Oh, yeah. You totally can. They have, after rodeos, they have this thing called the slack, which people don't watch, but it's still a part of the performance. So cowboys say you have a slack in the morning. They'll go hit that in the morning. They'll get in their truck and trailer. They'll head to a big performance event in the evening and compete for more money and I think in the 4th of July that's really where you want to hit all the big rodeos so I think that weekend you're traveling non-stop so like you said I mean there's so much that goes into it a lot of endurance it, there's a lot that we don't see the athletes doing to reach the NFR itself it's a lot of time and commitment uh, even before the biggest uh, rodeo even takes place oh yeah you definitely gotta love the road that's for sure because not everybody can do it. I mean, it's it's got to be hard for all those cowboys to travel far and wide and spend that type of commitment to be able to do it. Amos, Grace told us probably the biggest rodeo that these cowboys can hit, uh, where they can make a, a lot of money uh, in, in one single swoop. Uh, but you are a little more versed in some of the big rodeos around the country. Give us a, a few in states uh, along the way that these cowboys are looking at, and even out of the country. So... The, the season for the uh, PRCA starts October 1st and then runs through September 30th. The NFR doesn't count towards that, even though it's in December, it doesn't count for the new year. It's just money that you've earned from before September. So kind of the rule of thumb for what you do as a cowboy is, and it's cowgirls, You'll hit what you can in of the re like the remaining county fairs. A lot of the southern states, southern areas have their county fairs later in the year for obvious reasons. The technically, quote unquote, the real season starts in the wintertime when you have rodeos like the Denver National Livestock Show, obviously in Denver. There's the Houston Show, San Antonio, Dallas-Fort Worth. So these are what they call winter rodeos, and these are... Uh, multi-round, multi-performance rodeos, lots of high-paying, you know, dollars $40,000 rodeos to the winner. So a lot of the Cowboys are hitting the winter rodeos, earning some money, and then there's usually a little break in the springtime. And one thing we haven't mentioned about the rodeo and the NFR, yes, you're traveling so much, but you also have to love to, to practice. Practicing makes it so that you can do what you do in the arena through the year. So usually the springtime is when the Cowboys are healing up horses, getting them ready for the summer run, refining their skills. And then once you hit the summertime, that you there's a few smaller rodeos. But like Grace alluded to it, there's the 4th of July run. It's called uh, Cowboy Christmas. It starts usually in the end of July, runs through till a little past the 4th. 
and some of the highest paying rodeos in the country are during this time frame. You have Greeley, Colorado, Oakley City Independence Day, uh, Cody, Wyoming. There's several other. They just escaped my mind. But what happens is there's so many rodeos at this time frame that you can hit two a day for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then as you fall off of the the 4th of July run, um, in the Northwest during the July and August, probably more their drier time of the year, there's some bigger rodeos up in there. There's Ellensburg, um, the Sisters Rodeo, and then in July 24th, you have the Cowboy or uh, the Granddaddy of Mall in Cheyenne, mm. Calgary Stampedes usually in July sometime, which is in obviously Calgary, Canada. Well, it doesn't. It used to not count, but I think you can take a certain portion of winnings towards it. You just don't get the full fifty thousand towards it. It's still a big, but it's rodeo still a rodeo though. you're gonna yeah. go to because you're gonna you're gonna take that. I mean, that's 50000 bucks you couldn't put in your pocket. That <laughs> helps you get down the road. And then you just go from there. There's quite a few. Once you start getting towards the tail end of September or the rodeo season, there's some bigger rodeos to start up in um, Texas. And so that's kind of a culmination. That's kind of where you're hitting and going through. And them's the rodeos you're looking for. So COVID has messed with a lot of things in, in the sports world. Uh, the NFR and, and rodeo is not immune. We've seen... You know, events canceled. We've seen uh, rodeos canceled. We've seen uh, pay drastically cut at some of these places. If you look at some of the standings, you don't see quite the money uh, throughout the top fifteen as you normally would in a in a you know non-COVID world. Um, but the NFR is flipped on a on a dime here. Uh, they've moved the event from Vegas, where it usually is at the Thomas and Mac, uh, to Arlington, Texas. Um, they're holding it in the same area that they have the American, the, the biggest rodeo uh, that you can go to. Um, so, Grace, give us an idea of, of some of the differences you can expect moving from Vegas to Arlington. Definitely will be very different. I think the people that you get that normally go to the NFR probably won't be as many there. But I think you'll get a different, diverse of an audience. And I think, so one thing that people really like to go to the NFR is for Cowboy Christmas. And that's a big shopping area that you can go to in Vegas. And I don't know how they'll have it set up in Texas, but I know in Vegas it was very easy to access. And then you could go right on over to the rodeo. I think COVID will be a little tricky because they won't have as many fans, but they're trying to keep them up so then they can get the numbers and the money for the payout. But... I don't know. It'll be an interesting year. Do you think it it'll it kind of loses some of the atmosphere as you touched on earlier of not being in Vegas? Uh, in Vegas, you know, you have the casinos, the shows, the food. It's Vegas, the lights, the glam. Um, it, will it that just be a little different aspect to this? I definitely think it'll be different. I mean, I bet a lot of people go to Vegas for the casinos also, and then they're there and they'll go to the rodeo. But I think. A lot of rodeo fans are pretty excited that it's moved to a different area. Like, it's a whole new thing that they can start. And everybody that I've seen on social media and everywhere else, they're still really excited for the NFR to be happening. Do you think that this could be something made permanent um, of it moving around? Or or what's the situation here, if, if it stays in Vegas or not? 
Well, I do know as of right now, Vegas still has a contract with the NFR to keep it there till 2024. Obviously, they're not doing it this year because of COVID. But I think there's been talk of trying to get it to go somewhere else. In one year, they were talking about moving it to Florida because, I mean, in the East Coast, there's not very many rodeos, and I think you'd get a lot more new people to go to the NFR. But I think everybody back West would be pretty upset with that. Amos, what will be the biggest difference in in the move to Vegas, uh, from Vegas to Arlington, uh, for the Cowboys, the audience, or do you think there will be much of an impact overall? Well, I think um, one thing that's going to benefit the Cowboys and especially the animal athletes is a majority of your Cowboy contestants live in Texas. Arlington's just outside of Dallas. And I feel like a majority of the Cowboys live within the Dallas-Fort Worth general area. So they might be able to stay at home a little more, keep their uh, horses in a comfortable environment. Obviously, that's probably going to help with a little bit of expense for a Cowboy because when you're leaving, not many Cowboys are from Vegas. So you're having to find a place to stall horses for. I mean, the rodeo starts on a Thursday, but the Cowboys are there pretty much for they're probably there for 15 days because right. you have some pre-event stuff and then some post-event well, and, stuff. And I've seen on some of their social medias they're showing up and practicing yeah. and getting ready for well, it. Well, yeah, and you got to – and one thing we kind of can touch on with athletes is the, in the timed events when they're steer wrestling, tie-down roping, and team roping, they have to uh, break the ste- the animals in. So they'll team rope the steer they'll, – they'll go through rope steers. They'll group them up, do the same thing with tie-down steers, kind of keep them an even pin. So I, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, a rodeo's, the NFR is the NFR, whether it's in Vegas, whether it's in Arlington. The, your goal is the same. You're still there for the money. You're still there to be crowned a champion at the end of the 10 days. So as far as that, I don't think that changes much. Maybe their focus is a little different because mm-hmm. there's yeah. not the distraction of, say, hey, the rodeo's over. We went to the awards ceremony after the rodeo now I'd, i'm gonna go home instead of going spending some money at the casino possibly yeah. um i think the biggest impact it's gonna have is for fans but i'm sure the prca and all the vendors that go to like grace said the cowboy christmas that's there and all the events that are centered around it it'll still be pretty much the same it just won't be in vegas so it'll be a little different for the fans but as far as the cowboys and the animal athletes the stock contractors, the people putting on the performances, it shouldn't be different. All right, Peanut Gallery over there, Kaysen, is there anything that these guys have not explained that, that you would like to hear more on or or that they have explained that you'd like to hear more on? Well, I, uh, I had many questions, but these two just started rifling stuff off, and I got nothing now. Yeah? The, I, I was going to ask, which is not necessarily the easiest, but the easiest for the Cowboys. And I, me and Grace talked about this a while ago, but it'd probably be the rough stock riders. Do you guys agree? Because they don't have to take their horses. They don't have to do all that. They just go, show up, do it, get their stuff done, and leave. Well, I think, yeah, you're right, but also the rough stock riders are taking a lot of wear and tear on their body. Like mm-hmm. bareback, you're holding on to one thing with your hand, and it's stuck in there. And your shoulder's eventually going to start to hurt and give out on you. And saddle bronc is a little easier. 
but you also run the risk of falling off the horse the wrong way if you get bucked off in bull riding. Like I've said before, anybody who bull rides is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got to have some guts to get on that thing. One thing that I always compare, because, you know, in my years of being around the rodeo and everybody's like, well, I'm a bull rider. I'm a, I'm a real man. Team ropers in the real man. Tired down ropers. Anybody can do that. Okay, sure. Yeah. Team roping is one of the most popular horse hobby events in the country. You can not only do can you do it at, at a rodeo, you can you go to jackpots, you can just leisurely do it yourself with your family. But the one thing I point out, you see a lot of 60-plus-year-old team ropers, <laughs> but you don't see very many plus 30 bull riders that don't have a huge injury or lots of aches and pains. So... But to get to your overall question, what's easier? I, I don't know that there is one that's easier than the other. Each event takes time well, I guess I to get into it. Not necessarily easier. Easier to make money is well, what I meant. Well, sure. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, rough stock riding, you're going to pack four dudes in one vehicle. The truck is always rolling. People are sleeping. You can ride together, you know an example of people we know the Wright brothers they sit, they do mostly rough stock you know they're traveling together so it that may be easier to get around usually if you're a team roper you're hauling two horses because of the strain of the grind injury you don't see them guys carpooling a lot so it's usually your own rig your own rodeos your own expense getting down the road so it's easier for rough stock riders to get around but as far as the overall money, it kind of balances itself out. You do see a larger payout sometimes on the rough stock because they can hit more shows, so mm -hmm. therefore they can get more money. But you know, if you're good, you're going to make no matter money, no matter what event you're in. All right. Thank you very much, Peanut Gallery. I think this is a great spot to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be previewing the events, the Cowboys, and then our picks and where you guys can watch. Stay tuned. Break. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It was a good break. We had some funny conversations off air. We'll save them for ourselves. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, go ahead and do that. You can find us there. You can also email us in questions, comments. Um, if you got some disagreements with what we have to say, we'd love to hear from you guys on any of our shows. Email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, we have the peanut gallery here, but we'd also love some peanut gallery comments from you guys. Uh, should we get into the athletes and some previews for each of the events, guys? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, so we'll go in order of, of how the events will shape up once the rodeo starts. Uh, so we'll start with bareback riding. Um, and I think what we'll do is, is we'll try and highlight some of the big names here, some guys that we think have, have good chances at winning, uh, and then we'll move on and go through the events. And then after we've summed it all up, we'll make our picks in each event. Um, so we look at the bareback standage right now. Going into the NFR, uh, Tim O'Connell from Iowa, age 29. He's got a big lead here over Casey Fields from Utah, age 33. Um, this will be O'Connell's seventh NFR appearance. He has three world titles. Casey Fields chasing him. Uh, this is his 11th appearance, four world titles to his name. But you also got some guys coming in here behind them. 
You got Oren Larson, Tilden Hooper, Clayton Biglow. Uh, you know, it's it's a pretty big lead for O'Connell here, but there are guys that, that can make some noise. Uh, Grace, you said before we started recording, anything can happen at the NFR. What exactly do you mean by that, though? What I mean in that is when you're competing in these 10 performances, there's big payout to the winners. So even though that Tim O'Connell has quite a bit of lead, if Casey Fields performs at the top of his game throughout the NFR, he could end up winning the world champion. But Tim O'Connell could do good well, or even someone down in the lower rankings could do good as well. You just never know. Amos, who uh, of this group of 16 is actually how many we have for bareback? Uh, they took one more than normal. Uh, who on this list jumps out to you just looking at it right away? Well, the obvious, in my mind, the obvious favorite, even though he's second, is Casey Fields. Uh, he does have four world titles to his name. The one thing that with Casey is he's hitting the big rodeos through. The, I think what he's learned is you hit the big rodeos, take care of your body through the summer, stay healthy, come into the NFR and then just be consistent. Now you want to ride, you want to win first every rodeo. And the reason you want to win first every rodeo is because on average, this year's payout for first place for a go round is going to be roughly $16,000. So you're $16,000 down They're placing down to sixth place. So like Grace has said, yeah, you, you think $28,000, $30,000 is a big lead. You win two go rounds. And so Casey Fields wins two go-rounds. Tim O'Connell doesn't place. Casey Fields has caught, him, has caught up to him. Yeah. So a little side note tangent there. So anyway, I'm looking for Casey Fields. He's, he's, he's got the experience coming in the NFR. He knows that you got to stay on 10 horses. you got to get points. You need to get to the average and get that payout. And if you can collect checks through the week, that's just a bonus. Um, Quite a few names on here I'm not familiar with in bareback. It's kind of a young man's sport. Seems like there's a little bit of turnover in bareback riding because of the toll it takes on your body. Um, so lot, looks like we have some first-timers hitting the NFR. Quite a few, actually. So I think, you know, Casey Fields, the elder statesman, experience is going to pay off in, in this part, especially in the bareback riding. All right, some other guys that I think uh, worth mentioning here. My dark horse uh, to look at here is Richmond Champion. He also got Mason Clements um, down there in ninth, and uh, as well as Clayton Biglow, who does have a world title to his name. Uh, we didn't really explain the rules of bareback, uh, so we'll do that for each event uh, before we start. Totally space that. But the basic idea of bareback is you're strapped on the back of a horse, that's bareback, you know, you don't got a saddle. They have a little holder. Think think about like uh, it's like a suitcase yeah. handle and they'll call it a rigging. And it's it's put in between the shoulder blades of, of the horse. You lean back in the shoe on the horse with whichever hand you choose to hold your little handle. And when you nod your head you're out and in eight seconds the horse's job is to buck you off its back. And it's it's good watching, like you said though, it's it's very physically demanding, obviously a lot of strain on the whole arm, the shoulder, the neck. You see lots of cowboys wearing like neck braces to help with neck support in this. So bareback, one of the more physically demanding sports. 
that we have here, but a super fun one to watch too. So let's turn our attention to um, stair wrestling. That's what comes next. Uh, the rule of stair wrestling is there's the cowboy on the left side of the animal. They come running out of the, uh, what do you call them, the... A shoe. A shoe, okay. Um, and the cowboy's job is to essentially fall off gracefully onto the horse, or onto the the steer. Steer. And then think of, of wrestling, right? They wrap around the horns, get the under the nose, and then they got to flip it both four feet in the air. Uh, Grace, this is, this is a big man sport, we call it. And what is so entertaining about stair wrestling to you, though? I think the most entertaining thing about steer wrestling is kind of, it's not funny, but it is. But watching some of the cowboys struggle with some of those bigger steers, I mean, I give them credit, but you never see a skinny steer wrestler because if you're skinny and you're trying to flip this big steer over, I think the steer is going to win over you. Uh, Amos, this was, this was your sport when you did rodeo. Um, what is what is so challenging about steer wrestling? I mean, obviously, right off the bat, you got to fall off the horse, but kind of take us through the huge challenge of after you get off the horse. Well, there's steer wrestling's very difficult on. So the horse has. This is one of the few animal events where the horse has to catch the animal, the steer, and run past it. So obviously the horse is amped up from the beginning. If it knows its jobs, it knows it has to get out of the out of the chute, hit the barrier on time, and get you to that and pass the steer. So number one, that's hard just to keep it, you know, like the little just a rep, it's just ready to go and run fast. <laughs> and then so then obviously, then you gotta slide down off the side of the horse. You're gonna come up to the steer. And at that point it's pretty much technique. You're just scooping the outside horn with your elbow grabbing the inside horn with your hand and then as you as the horse runs past you you don't lean forward you got to let the horse run by and and let you fall off the horse and that kicks your feet out so as you hit the the ground and hit the dirt then you're what we call skiing so you're you're sliding as the steer's running slowing him down and as you're doing that you're shaping the steer's head so you're going to take the inside horn with your left hand drop it to your outside pocket and pull that steer's head around so that the nose pokes straight in the air. Once the nose is up, you leave the inside horn, come up to the steer's nose, push higher, and then just drop straight back. And then that's where you fall and get all four legs up. So, so you, it you looks it, easy. Yeah. In theory, it sounds easy. But, man, there's a lot of moving parts yeah. to it. It's, it's very interesting. It's almost like you're skiing on the dirt once yeah. you're off your horse, right? Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about standings here, our top five guys that we're looking at right now, Matt Reeves leads it, uh, the Texas man, 87K, Jacob Talley uh, from Louisiana, 62K, Tyler Wogsback, 53K from Louisiana, Dakota Eldridge, the Nevada man, 50K, and Curtis Cassidy from Alberta, Canada, 50K. Uh, all five of these guys in the top five are experienced. Uh, Talley's the least experienced with three appearances in the NFR. Wogsback has two world titles to his name. But Reeves has a big lead here, Grace. Um, and I know this was something that you kind of talked about coming in, is is the lead that Reeves has. Uh, does that jump off to you? I mean, yeah, it does. I think in steer wrestling, you don't really see a lot of people with this big of a lead. He's got a $25,000 lead. But I think in the NFR with steer wrestling, 
you've got to come in with confidence because if you don't have confidence and you're in front of that many fans in front of TV and you're trying to wrestle this steer down, your confidence will be shut down after the first performance if you don't do good. So Matt Reeves, he's got to come out strong. Um, a little further down the line, some guys also worth mentioning. we got Blake Knowles of Oregon making his fifth appearance and Clayton Haas of Texas making his fourth appearance. They're down there in 11th and 12th, but like we keep saying, anything can happen at the NFR. Uh, a little more experience on the steer wrestling side of things as far as the overall athletes go. Uh, so let's turn our attention to the saddle bronc riding. Um, a very interesting saddle bronc riding uh, race shaping up here. General idea of saddle, saddle bronc. Um, you have you have a more traditional saddle uh, without the horn, um, which you know you don't want that because of all the bouncing that you're doing on the horse. Uh, you're in the chute on the horse. Um, you have a, a bridle right that comes out from from the horse's chin, and the idea is that you're supposed to strap into this thing, get your boots in the stirrups. You hold the bridle with one hand. You nod your head. You're out eight sec eight seconds to ride it. Um, but you also got to be spurring too, right? Like that's a factor in the, the scoring that the judges are looking at. You have to do what they say uh, is mark the horse out of the chute. You got to have your spurs uh, on its shoulder blades. This is a very, it's a beautiful sport, I guess you could say, when you're talking about NFR sports, when you actually see a good ride uh, that they make at Saddle Bronc, you know it because it looks smooth, it's clean, it's very nice. Um, but as we look at the standings here, Wyatt Casper, huge lead, one of your highest earners coming into to the the NFR. You got Ryder Wright behind him from Utah, Brody Cress of Wyoming at 100K, Shorty Garrett in his first NFR appearance uh, from South Dakota at 90K, and Alan Bohr, second NFR appearance from Utah at 73K. Um, is it surprising, Amos, that we see uh, such a high earner at the Saddle Bronc? No, I, I, I don't really know why it is, but it seems like Saddle Bronc, your top two, one, two, three guys, they are always 100K plus coming into the NFR. I'm not sure if it's just because they're, I mean, one of the reasons I'm sure is because they're able to hit more rodeos. Um, but I, I, it, once you get into a rhythm of riding horses and you're going, you're just night in, night out, and you got that confidence and you're drawing good. You're you're you are gonna place, and and that may be another thing too. There just might not be the number of of guys riding horses at these rodeos. So if you're hitting the rodeo, more than likely you're gonna place. Now that's not to say that that's how it is at the bigger shows, but with these rough stock riders, they can hit a lot of what we'd call day money rodeos, where it's a rodeo in between the next big rodeo, so they can sweep in swoop into like Colville ride a horse in the slack or performance, pick up some day money and head on out. So I, I've, always, I've never really looked into it. That's kind of my theory as to why they seem to make more money. And then once you get to the NFR, if you're, if you're, it seems like there's always one guy in the Sal Bronc riding that hits a groove, and it doesn't matter what he's riding. Yeah. He's riding it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to place in the top six at every one. And obviously that just is picking up money add to your total and then they're right there at the end of the average which is another big check so I grace, don't know. uh grace what would you say is the biggest challenge uh mentally coming into a saddle bronc riding uh you got 10 events to impress lots of money to be made but 
it, if you're on a downhill, if you're starting to slide, it feels like you just slide. Uh, so, so what mentally factors into the saddle bronc riding? Mentally, your confidence does. But if you're on a downhill slide in your first couple performances, I think you just got to sit yourself down, say, okay, I got these performances done. They weren't very good, but I'm going to do better in the next one. Because I think if you keep telling yourself you're not going to do good, you're just not going to do good. And I think what's going to be interesting for Wyatt Casper is it's his, it's his first NFR appearance. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting first right now. But I think the NFR, he's probably got some jitters. So I, it'll be interesting to see what the first round for him looks like. Grace, is there anyone outside this list of top five that jumps off to you as, as either surprising that they're not in the top five or just someone you're going to enjoy watching that's outside the top five? I mean, on... The list of the top 15, you've got a pretty big name from last year, Stetson Wright. He won his, he won the all-around championship at 20 years old. And Stetson's also qualified for bull riding in the NFR, so he's doing two perform or two uh, events. Yes, two events <laughs> at the NFR this year, and I think it'll be interesting to watch how he does because I think how one event goes is going to determine how the other one goes. So uh, I find it. I personally like the Saddle Bronc a lot, but I find it really interesting. You actually have five guys that hold world titles uh, in Ryder Wright in second, Jacobs Crawley in ninth right now, Zeke Thurston, who has two, in tenth, Stetson, uh, he doesn't have a title in this specific discipline. Uh, he's in 13, and then Taos Muncie, two-time champion, down there in 15th. Uh, there's just a lot of big names in this, and it's it's really interesting. Uh, lots of multi-appearance appearances and titles for a lot of guys. Um, and saddle bronc riding is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I think we will now turn our attention to to the uh, team roping. Amos, this is an event that you do for leisure, I guess you could say. Grace, you're also getting into it. Um, it's I feel like it's one of the more like undervalued um, events. Yeah, Personally, it's always the event that you go get your popcorn yeah, and use the restroom. What, that's what I was just going to say. At the local rodeo. <laughs> All you I, see I always is do the that. grungy cowboys. You don't really want to look at them because they're not all fancy and they're just slouched over. Sometimes they're a little more heavy set, but... But it takes it takes tons of skill to be a team roper, right? Like, uh, Amos, give us the, the rundown of the rules of team roping. All right, team roping is very similar to... The start of the event is very similar to uh, steer wrestling. The header left side, healers on the right side. You're both starting from the chute. Nod your head, break the barrier. The header comes out, catches the steer. You have three legal catches around the horn, around the neck, or what we call half head, which is around the nose, but only catches one horn. He's going to dally to the saddle. He's going to turn left, make a real nice sweep. The healer will come in. He has two legal catches, which is both legs or a single leg. Uh, If you catch a single leg, it's a five-second penalty, and then the run is over or complete when the steer is what we will call stretched and both with both cowboys being tied off and dallied. Well, I think one thing to explain to the viewers, the barrier, when he says breaking the barrier – if you go before the steer is out ahead of you with enough of a lead and you break that, then you get a 10-second yeah, penalty. Yeah, you get a 10-second penalty yep. and you're probably not going to win. Yeah, so that's like what the sport is calling the the 
keeping the rules fair for the uh, animal athlete on the competing side. So they give them, a, like Grace said, it's just a little bit of a head start. And you, you break that barrier, 10 seconds, usually puts you out of the money in most all timed events. So you don't want to do that. So with team roping, there's there's such a form in your in your uh, you know before you're catching. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, in case your swing. In case <laughs> we, yeah, right. Uh, you got to come out. You got to be very formed. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you're lucky if you're catching." It actually takes a lot of skill to set that thing down on the horns and then turn it and get the back legs too. I mean, there's a lot of technical aspects yeah, of team roping. There's a lot going on in yeah. team roping. I mean, every uh, and you got to have the team too, right? Yeah. Like the team itself, they have to work together yeah. to to accomplish the the victory. So Luke Brown comes in number one in the headers. He's got a 20k lead over Clay Smith and Cody Snow. Um, Cody Snow, California. Clay Smith, Oklahoma. Luke Brown actually coming out of South Carolina. Kind of pretty far east for yeah. what we are used yeah, to is. seeing. Uh, but this is Luke Brown's 13th NFR appearance. That's a big number. He doesn't have a world title yet. Clay Smith has two who's chasing him, as well as uh, Clay Training from Montana, three who's chasing him. Chad Masters, two who's chasing him from Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of guys on our list here headers and healers that have made uh, world title runs. But the group that's jumping out to me when we talk about a pair is Clay Smith, Jade Corkill, uh, Oklahoma, Nevada, respectively. Five world titles combined between the two of them. Seems like a good partnership to me. Um, Grace, do, who, who are you liking in the partnership here of the, uh, ti- uh, the team ropers? Well, I think... I'm honestly liking the third seed, Cody and Junior, because they've been roping together all year long, and that goes the same for Clay and Jade. They've been roping too. I think it'll be a little interesting to watch Luke and Joseph, the first, um, the number one seed, because they roped together at the American. They won the American, but then after that, they kind of went their separate ways. They've been with different teams all year. And I think at the NFR, it'll be an advantage for the second, third place team because they've already got that groove all year long. So they know what the other is going to do throughout the performance. Amos, the healing race here, it's, it's red hot. Joseph Harrison and Jake Corkill right around both 70K. Uh, it's, it's very tight. We come down to number three at Buddy, ha- Buddy Haskins, uh, 64, not too far behind. Jake Long, 63. Uh, you got Junior Noriega, 58. I mean, it's it's very close, very tight in the healing race. Is it make it even more important to these healers to have a good teammate header uh, to to gain some some needed, much needed and valuable time, and get as much money flowing throughout these ten days as possible? Well, yeah, you know the rule of thumb when you're a healer is um, if if you're catching and you're winning money, it's because you're the best healer in town. <laughs> but if you're not winning and you're not catching any money, it's because the header's starving you. And ah. He can't catch nothing, and he's not giving you the shot that you need, him or her, the shot you need to do your part. So, I mean, yeah, the, it's, it's very important to have chemistry. It's like Grace said, this is one of the few events in rodeo, if not the only event, where you don't have to compete with your partner at the NFR all year long. It's just you're coming in based on money. You're, play, you're ranked in money. And then most of the time the, you're roping with a team through the year, there are instances where injury or money makes a difference. So you have two guys that haven't roped much together. 
But, uh, you know, each end is equally important. If the header doesn't catch, you're not making money. If the healer doesn't catch, you're not making money. So I think everybody just has to be on the same page. Each competitor does their job at the finals, puts their time in through the year practicing, keeps their horse healthy, maintains their horse. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to say that one or the other is more important because you've got to have them both to win. Mm. Well, uh, you know, I I will not be going and getting my popcorn during the NFR team roping. I will say that. (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited for that event. Uh, We'll move to our next one now, tie-down roping. I'd like to add one thing to team roping. When you watch Junior on the hillside, he is – it's kind of funny to watch him because once he Very gets, animated. Yes, he is. Once he gets ready to dally, he'll lean all the way back where his head is almost touching right. his horse's butt. So yeah, he looks like a saddle bronc rider or a bareback rider after he catches. He's leaned so far back. So it's funny because you can always tell the bareback riders because the back of their cowboy hat's pushed <laughs> up and Junior Noriega because the back of his hat's pushed up. So good point. Uh, yeah, like no, that. I love it. Um, so insert. what about the peanut gallery? So he, he mentioned earlier that it's very difficult to swing. So what's his take on team roping? Okay, what yeah, what sure. do you think? Uh, I have a new appreciation for team roping. <laughs> I, I was the guy that got my popcorn during the team, team roping. roping yep, but now, right. you know, I think the most valuable person in the team roping it's the guy that runs a shoot. <laughs> that's all I know. That's because uh, you're running the shoot, good, huh? Good point. Yeah, okay. That's funny. I like that. That's why he's the peanut gallery, but, right? The swinging is hard, you know. Find you a good teacher if you're starting to learn, because I I just I I've <laughs> gotten yelled at a few times, because you know you got to keep your arm at a ninety degree and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very hard. technical, it isn't is. it? It's not just as easy as just throwing it out there no. and catching it. All right, uh, so let's talk about a sport that takes even more skill, I think, from the cowboy themselves, and obviously there's a ton of discipline and and teaching that goes into the animal athlete in this sport, too. We're talking tie-down roping. Uh, Tie-down roping, the athlete is out of the chute chasing the calf. They have to rope the calf around the neck. It it pulls them back, right? They get off their horse. They have to follow their rope down the line to the calf, do what they call flanking it, which is pretty much like lift it up and body slam it. And then they got to get three legs put together of the calf, get out their... uh, Tie down rope. Pig and string. Yeah, or whatever you want to call it. Put it around the front uh, foot and then tie it with the two back ones. Has to stay tied for eight seconds, six seconds, sorry. Fastest run wins. But there's also the aspect of the animal athlete, of your horse, that keeps tension and pressure on your rope the whole time uh, to try and, you know, keep the calf down for one, but then also make it easier for you to do your job. There's tons of balance, dexterity, hand-eye coordination. It might be one of the more complicated uh, disciplines for the athletes to actually do in tie-down roping. Uh, Grace, do you have, like, an appreciation for tie-down ropers and what they do? Oh, definitely. And I like to call the tie-down ropers the pretty boys of the rodeo sport yeah, you, you fanboy <laughs> over or fangirl i guess you, you could say over a lot of the names on our list here oh too, yeah huh? for sure i mean it takes a lot of practice you see some of these cowboys they're practicing every night just to keep up on their skills and they're training several horses at a time because if your top dog horse goes down then you gotta rely on that backup and i think you definitely can tell which 
cowboys train their horses good because they'll still be backing up while you're tying that calf. So it's essentially dragging the calf, but it's not hurting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks like you're hurting them, but it. I agree. It, it's a, a way that doesn't. Um, so our top five in this event as we enter the NFR, Shad Mayfield, second NFR appearance from New Mexico. He's got the 90K lead over Tuff Cooper, the Texas man, 12th appearance in the NFR. He holds four world titles. Uh, in third, we have ha- Haven Megid, Megid? Uh, from Oklahoma, 61K. Excuse me, from Montana, 67K. He has a world title, and in only his second NFR appearance, he's looking to make some noise. Tyler Milligan from Oklahoma, 61K, his second NFR appearance. And Weston Hughes, the Texas man, 60K in his first NFR appearance. Uh, there's also some big names as you go down the list. Caleb Smith, two world titles. Shane Hansey, Ryan Jarrett, and Tyson Durfee, all with one world title apiece. Very experienced. Lots of big names throughout this list. Amos, who jumps off the list to you specifically? Well, as as it probably does with everybody, Tuff Cooper is synonymous with tie-down roping. The Cooper name is his dad basically invented tie-down roping. I mean, he didn't, but he, he revolutionized tie-down roping. He was one of the first tie-down ropers to actually get off his horse on the right side. Um the kid's been around rodeo and roping his whole life, so that's the name that jumps out. But another name that really jumps out is Shad Mayfield. He's only 20 years old. He's uh, second NFR. He did okay last year at the NFR. I think he had some first-year jitters. He was a standout in the high school rodeo scene. I believe he was a national champ out of New Mexico. He has, and I'll mention this, he has the huge lead of 157000 for total earnings. He won the American this year. He put a cool hundred grand in his pocket for winning the American. So uh, that's the biggest reason of the sizable lead. But as Grace has said, well, nothing's out of realm in the so, NFR. So we do say that, but that lead is ninety k. That's that's a huge lead. Is that almost like un- no, it's unable okay. to be overcome? So like we've said, you got fifteen thousand dollars per go round win. Okay, so you hit. You place first in two or three rounds. That gets you thirty, forty-five thousand. But the key is in the tie-down rope, and with all the events, is the average. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you place it in as many rounds as you can, but you have to catch all ten caps. You have to have a qualified time, and you want to be first in the average. This year, the average is going to pay out roughly around forty-five thousand dollars. So there's half of Shad Mayfield's lead right there, over Tough Cooper and Haven McGee. So if if Haven comes out, just stays solid, wins the average, places in six go rounds, and then Mayfield has a little bad luck, maybe misses a steer, drops himself out of the average. Ninety thousand's not unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Now he's probably feeling pretty good about himself right now. That's a good lead. So so he knows. Hey, I just you know his coming into this is strictly average. Mm-hmm. Okay, he wants to win the gold buckle for the first go round. Sure, I'm sure he does, right? But you know his, you know he's coming into it saying, "Dude, I just gotta, I just gotta place in the average, catch all ten steers, and be solid. Put the pressure on the next two, three, four guy." Grace, what do you think? I agree. I definitely do. I think, like, 
Amos said, $90,000 is a lot, but someone could catch him. I think if Tuff Cooper is placing really well in each go-around and, say, Shad Mayfield does have a bad NFR, I think they could catch him. I think it's anybody's game, honestly. Grace, uh, Shane Hansey, one of your personal favorites uh, on this list, down in 10th. Um, do, do you like him as a dark horse entering this? I think I do. I think he, who knows, he may have had kind of a rough year. I haven't really looked too much into his year-round rodeo go, but I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I think he could get pretty close. I mean, he is quite a ways from Chad Mayfield, so I don't know if he'll quite get the gold buckle, but I think he could get pretty close. All right, we'll turn our attention to barrel racing. Grace, this is this is your event. This is your sport. Uh, you do it. You you did it. You still do it. Uh, give us the basic rules and rundown of barrel racing. So for barrel racing, it's just a cowgirl event. You've got three barrels set up in a triangle pattern, and then when you're coming at the barrel, your first barrel, you can go to the right one or the left one. It's just your preference. And then at the first barrel, say you're going to the right, you're going to go around it, and then you got to complete a three-leaf clover pattern around the other two, and then the fastest time wins. Is is there a strategy to going left or right at all? I think there is because your horse can be more comfortable going to the left one first and then turn into right barrels. That's just what it's going to be comfortable with. So you've really got to know what your horse likes and dislikes. So, Amos, this is a speed event. This is an event that is decided sometimes by hundreds of seconds. How important is it to just have super clean, smooth runs? Well, it's very important. I mean, like you said, it, you could you could go out and run. for in the, And if this rodeo might be a little different. When they're in Vegas, it's a smaller rear, smaller pattern. But you could go out and be, let's just run a number 16-5 and finish 7th to the first place who was 16-3. I mean, it could come down to the thousandths of a second. So, like, as you mentioned earlier, so this play, the average plays, I keep going back to the average. It's just a big payday at the end if you can stay uh, stay in it. But I think being clean and fast, it's going to place you in the go-rounds, but it keeps you in contention for the average at the end of the 10 days. So as we look at the top five right now, Brittany Posey-Tonzi, at 87K from Texas, 14th NFR appearance, shields two world titles. Haley Kinsley from Texas, 78K, not too far behind, first place, fourth NFR appearance. And am I correct in saying that she holds the last two world titles, Grace? Yeah, she's won back-to-back titles so far. Donna K. Rule, Oklahoma, uh, 62, and her second overall NFR appearance. Jimmy Smith, the newcomer here, up in fourth from Texas, 24 years old in her first appearance, and Tiana Schuster from Texas, 43, in her second NFR appearance. There's a lot of, like, a lot of newbies here on the list, a lot of inexperienced people um, as we head down the list, though you do have Cheyenne Wimberly in her fourth appearance and Lisa Lockhart in her 14th appearance, uh, but lots of new faces in here. Uh, Grace, this lead is, is not much, as we've seen in some other events, uh, Haley Kinsley is, is very much in this, right? Oh, she definitely is. I think in the past years with her winning her two titles, she's definitely coming in with a lot of confidence, and she knows what her horse is going to do. She knows how her horse performs at the NFR, so she's going to come in, and you better watch out for her, honestly. Uh, do you like Donna K. Rule, too, here? Uh, an experienced 
rider in her second appearance. She's not far behind either, 20K. That's easily manageable to make up. Her and Jimmy Smith, uh, pretty close. How do you like their chances as well? I like them a lot. I think I'm rolling for Donna K. Roll because she is 62 years old, and that just shows anybody can do barrel racing no matter what age. And I'd like to see her win. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. Uh, so this will be a, a fun barrel racing uh, race to the finish. Lots of money to be made there. We'll turn to our final event before we tell you guys our picks. Hey, what does the peanut gallery think about barrel racing? You know, I keep kind of, I keep kind of forgetting. Sorry to this. Uh, forgetting about riding, me. Riding in general. So you know. Okay. Yes, I do keep forgetting about the peanut gallery. Kason, we want to hear your opinion on on barrel racing. I actually had an opinion. I just thought you were going to skip me once again. Oh well, chime but, uh, in, please. <laughs> So uh, I do have an appreciation for anything with a horse because I've tried my hand at barrel <laughs> racing. It's more of a walk, but it's hard. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Does, was, is the speed just make you nervous or what? You got to sit down, you got to stand up, you got to <laughs> run, you got to try not to fall off. It's just the whole thing. I think thing. he just bounces a little too much to I, stay in the saddle. I'm not quite saddle. good at riding a horse yet. There's so. there's a lot that actually goes into bow racing though, right, Grace? Like It's oh, not yeah. just you gotta, hang on and hope you win. You can use two hands. You can try the one hand thing. You can do all this stuff. You, yeah. It's crazy. You got to have some muscle too. I think some of those horses got a lot of power behind them. All right, it's time for the bowls, as all the announcers would say. Uh, I'm not as good at it. It's, it's a little funner when you're at the rodeo, I guess. You could get the real effect. Um, <laughs> uh, the bull riding, it's, it's, you know, it's essentially hold on to a crazy bull for eight seconds out of the chute. If you can hold on, you get a lot of money. Um, and, I mean, what more is there to say about the bulls? If you don't know what it is, I mean, I can't really explain it to you. Amos, this sport's insane. It's one of the most dangerous sports in the entire world. This sport can literally kill you, um, and there's been lots of advancements in technology with the helmets, the vests, the shaps. Uh, much has gone into the safety of this event, but kind of explain the danger behind bull riding. Well, it's very, I mean, not to sound condescending, but the danger is getting on a 2,000-pound crazy animal. Yeah. I. So <clears throat> sucking a rope to it. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. that's the tying thing. your hand on. Yeah, there you're as holding. You can. You're holding onto this two thousand pound animal with a braided rope. You know, so you're just and and his only goal in life is to maim you. Yeah, rub you in the dirt, stick you with his horn. I mean, whatever, kick you. I mean, there's obviously death is yeah is is a, a something to be concerned about. But when it boils down to it, most of your injuries that happen through bull riding are from being stepped on, um, tears of your arm getting stuck in the rope, and occasionally you lose your feet and smack the bull's head with your face. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, it's, you're gonna, you can die, sure. But I think most of the guys are worried about, you know, the arm pulls, the groin strains, the torn knees. I mean, stepped on in the ribs. I bet you maybe half of these 15 guys are already walking in with an injury. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, there's sure. no doubt. Well, and then they'll probably all leave with an injury or currently injured. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a physical sport. Yeah. Grace, it is the last event of the rodeo. It is the most exciting event of the rodeo. Uh, and you could even maybe say barrel racing draws more excitement from the crowd. Um, but what about bull riding makes people get excited, makes people get on their feet 
what is so crazy about this? Well, like Amos said, the fact that you're getting on a 2,000-pound bull. Like, yeah. everybody loves to see someone do something crazy. Like, I don't know what it is, but we're like, man, this could totally end bad, but we're going to love this. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't, it's awesome to watch. I mean, these cowboys, they've got some guts, but sometimes I wonder if the brains are all there. Uh, well, if they get thrown around a lot, that's for sure. You hit the sure. ground hard enough, they're not going to be. No. <laughs> Peanut Gallery, I do have a question for you. How much money would it take uh, for us to get you on a bowl? You know, if my back didn't hurt right now, I'd do it. Oh, we'd do it. Just for, kidding. Free. No money. for free. <laughs> for free. I, okay. I believe that. Probably just for the pure enjoyment, the thrill, the oh, laughter. Just if somebody's going to record it, I'll be just okay. Just so we can walk it. around and say, I'm a bull rider. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back uh, to the danger uh, thing, though. Uh, yes. What is it? The clowns? Is that what they're called? Oh, yes. no, we're leaving out an important thing. Yes. They keep away the bull from the guy that hits the ground. Yes. Uh, my cousin, he's from Texas. He does this. He he keeps the riders safe. He's been injured probably more than a handful of times just oh, yeah. protecting these guys. Well, I almost think that the clown is more crazy than the bull rider. <laughs> yeah. Like the bull rider's there doing it for a big money paycheck, all the fame <laughs> and the glory. But the Clown the clown's is, just there. He's just there. It's he his job. Yeah. He's I'm, standing on his can. He's antagonizing the bull to yeah, hit him. <laughs> so, I mean, he's kind of the unsung hero of that event. So, kudos to your cousin, Peanut Gallery. Uh, the top five in the standings, uh, at number one, we got Sage Kimsey, six-time world champion, seventh NFR appearance. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? He's he's an insane rider. He's, he's pretty safe a, bet. Yeah, a, a safe bet to win. But... It's actually a very close race here as Kai Hamilton from Australia, actually. This is a world sport, people. Uh, Junior Noriega is from Brazil. We got a, some people from Canada. Now we have an Australian bull rider here. Uh, he's only 3K behind Sage Kimsey in his first NFR appearance. Amos, you said this is a young man's sport. The kid's 20, and he's setting it on fire. Campbell from Texas at 86K. Uh, Boquette at 82K from Louisiana. And... Protenier, can someone say his name? Because I can't. Sorry, but that's no for me. Portenier. Portenier? <laughs> Portenier. Portenier. Portenier at 73K from Idaho. Sorry, uh, Brady. I do apologize for some of these names. This, this, some of them are tough. Um, but there's a lot of new faces here. Uh, lots of guys with not many NFR appearances. Amos, that's, that's not uncommon. No, I, yeah, <laughs> this is probably, you know, next... Like, bull riding is right there with bareback riding as far as physically demanding. Injuries take a toll. Um, young, Definitely young man's sport. So you're going to see a lot of turnover. I mean, yeah, Sage Kimsey's 26, has seven NFR appearances. But in the long run, he's he is an old man in the sport. And <laughs> yeah. he has seen uh, – it's not necessarily the uh, – age as much as it's the miles so right definitely young man's sport some other names to talk about a little lower in their standings trevor kastner his sixth appearance man from oklahoma tyler bingham from utah in his third appearance ty Wallace from colorado in his fourth appearance and stetson wright as grace mentioned earlier in his second event uh third appearance in the nfr he has the one world title um grace should we get to our picks for each individual event oh yeah let's do it all right, so we'll go back to the start. Now you guys have a general idea of each of the sports, how it works, and everything. Uh, 
our picks. Let's kind of run through them. Uh, unless you guys want to have some explanation, I'm fine with that too. Uh, bareback riding pick for you guys? I'm going with Casey Fields. He's a Utah man. He's got four world champions. I think he's coming back from kind of a rough go there for a little while, but I think he's going to do good. That's nah, a good pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Casey Fields. I'm pretty sh- I'm. My opinion is it's going to be a two-man race, Tim O'Connell, Casey Fields, but I think, uh, I think Casey Fields is going to get it done this year. All right. Uh, I will stay with the generic pick, I guess, and go with Tim O'Connell. Uh, he does have three world titles. I think he'll tie Casey Fields. I think he's got the lead, and he'll just maintain it. Peanut Gallery, you're up. I'm going to stick with you, Ty. I don't really know. But he's doing good, and I think he's going to do great. All right. Peanut Gallery and me going for the same pick. I don't know if that's a good thing, though. Steer Wrestling. Matt Reeves with the big league, guys. What do we think? I think he's going to do pretty good, honestly. You're going you're to stay with the, the leader throughout? Yeah. I'm going to stick with Matt Reeves. All right. Amos. Okay. I'm, I'm g- kind of – there's names here. Like, there are a lot of new names in the steer wrestling. It's kind of weird to see. But I'm going to go with Tyler Wagaspak. I believe if I'm not mistaken, he is the two-time defending world title holder in steer wrestling. Um I know either the last year or the year before he was riding the Bulldog the steer wrestling, sorry. Um horse of the year. So um Matt Reeves has a pretty strong lead, pretty commanding lead, but I think Tyler's he, he'll do well in the average, and he'll be there. He'll be in there running there. All right. I really like Dakota Eldridge. Um, you know, he is pretty consistent. This is his seventh NFR appearance. I feel like he's just too far out of the money right now. You know, he's 37K behind. So I will go with Grace as well and choose Matt Reeves. Um, I think he maintains his lead. Peanut Gallery. Nobody's picked him, but I'm going with the number two guy, Tally. I'm going to win over all y'all. Let's make a bet right now. $10 okay. $10 wager. Okay, he's putting it down. Uh, Saddle Bronk, uh, I will just say Wyatt Casper, I feel like in his first NFR appearance, he takes his first NFR title. Uh, you know, the kid's got a good lead. He's obviously ridden well. He's one of the highest earners uh, that coming into the to the rodeo. Um, Amos? Yeah, that for some reason, to me, the 35K – in the saddle bronc just doesn't seem as daunting as say the 40k in the steer wrestling mm, okay. i feel like if a cowboy gets in a rhythm he can he can make that 35k up in two nights so um but having said that i think i'm gonna go with rider right uh, he's got a little bit of experience kind of comes from that background of saddle bronc riders um but yeah i'm going with rider right you know, I want to go with Ryder Wright just because he's a Utah man. He's won a world title before. It's his fifth NFR appearance. But I'm going to go with Brody Crest sitting third place right now. I think it would be pretty cool to see someone from Wyoming. I mean, you don't really see a lot of Wyoming names in there. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Okay. We've gone for the top three. What's Peanut Gallery say? I'm going to go with the Utah man, Ryder Wright, just because he's from Utah. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> All right. Good take by the well, peanut I mean, gallery. And then what, you know, he's a saddle bronc rider. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't bet against a guy that's name is Ryder. <laughs> okay. We're going to move on to the team roping. What a zinger. Um, 
Okay, Luke be Brown. Luke Brown's got the big lead uh, for the headers. The healing race is closer. Amos, who do we got in the team roping? Um, so I'm going to kind of look down the list a little further. Um, I feel like the team of Chad Masters and Wesley Thorpe are going to do well. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. You know, Chad Masters has his 14th appearance, two world titles. I just feel like with the team roping being so open this year, that experience at the NFR is going to be key. One thing worth mentioning here about the team roping, though, is the normal venue of the Thomas Mack Center in Las Vegas is a small, tight arena, so it makes for real fast runs. Uh, throws kind of a kink in it because it's such a narrow arena. If I'm not mistaken, the American or the uh, in Arlington will be a normal size arena, so I'm not sure we're going to see blistering fast runs. But I'm I'm going with Chad Masters, Wesley Thorpe, for, because of the experience. Okay. Ty, wait. I have a question. Sure. Here's one of my yeah. only questions. Uh, so for the teams, how did they get paired? Just their straight money or? Yeah, they get paired based off of how their earnings over yeah. the year. Yeah. And I mean, the second and third team, they've worked it out all year to where they would be consistent enough to make the same amount to be paired up at the NFR. Yeah, so it's like Grace said, it, kind of when we were touching on team roping. So Luke Brown... Joseph Harrison, they they roped together at the American, and they won. Did they pick what was their check size? Fifty grand. I can't even they remember. Probably split it. Yeah. So, so they well, let's just say it was fifty grand. So, they probably didn't even go to the American as a team. They probably just ended up that way, and then went their different routes after. And then Clay Smith, Jade Corkill, they did rope together all year. So, but, but yeah, each, the header and the healer are placed where they are based on their, kind of their earnings through the year. So, normally, though, you're, you've roped with the same partner through the year. So, if you had to say the number one header and healer would be the best, obviously, is what, I mean, based off of money. Sure. Yeah, based, well, yeah, based off of money, but you can... They've done the best. I feel. I just see the thing with team roping this year. It's this great question, because team That's what roping. I'm here for. Team roping is going to be, in my opinion, very different this year because, like I alluded to earlier, that the rodeo, the arena setup is going to be different in Arlington versus what it is in Vegas. So it's it's not going to be as narrow and short of an arena. So I think these guys, because the money's going to be so close, you're not. You're not going to see guys gunning for three and a half second t- team rope and run. I think they're going to know if we place in the average, we got a solid chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So let's break out good. Let's be a solid four to five second run. Let's stay in the average, pick up the day money where we can. Because, I mean, just looking at it, all the way down to the 15th place team this is only 47K. That's not that far out. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I think experience and being together as a team all year is going to be good. Grace, who do you, who do you like? Oh, I'm going with Cody Snow and Junior. I'm probably going to murder his last name, Noriega. Noriega. But just because I love watching Junior rope and he gives me a laugh, and I think he's 
awesome at it. So I'm going with that team. All right. No, me and Grace are on the save wavelength here. I like Cody Snow and Junior Noriega. Uh, I'm very tempted to go with Clay Smith and, and Jade Corkill, though. I mean, there's a lot of experience in that pair there. Five world titles with the two of them. 17 total NFR appearances. Uh, but, yeah, no, I got to go with Junior as well. Peanut Gallery. I'm going to stick with you and Grace and go with those two. Yeah. I have seen his, his, uh, the healer's pullback. I think that's quite funny to watch. I'm just going to go with him because of that. <laughs> okay. We're on to the tie down. Almost through our picks here. Um, I mean, I'm so tempted to say Tough Cooper, uh, but Shad Mayfield, such a big lead. I feel like the young gun gets it done. This is quite a bit of a toss-up for me because I really do like Tough Cooper. I think he's really good. Um, But, I mean, I think it'd be cool to see someone more down at the bottom like Marty Yates come out of nowhere and win it. But that might be quite a bit of stretch. So I'm going to go with Tough Cooper. Okay. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with – I'm going to go with Haven, Haven McGee. Um, he's kind of got a little momentum possibly – coming from the title last year. It just seemed like Tough Cooper does so well through the year. You've and just got to love him. Well, yeah, I do love Tough Cooper, but he gets to the <laughs> NFR, and he just doesn't seem – it's not as Because he's there for the fans. For him, I guess. I don't know. He seems <laughs> to struggle a little bit at the <laughs> NFR. So, um, And then Shad Mayfield, I mean, he's probably the best, the overall pick with the commanding lead. And like I said earlier, he's – He's approaching this differently than Tough and Haven and Tyler. He's, you know, he's got a definite advantage. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with Haven. All right, quite some diversity. We got the top three covered. Peanut Gallery, you went kind of generic last time. What do you got this time? I'm going to go with Weston Hughes. It's his first one. I'm going to say he's going to come out and do really good. Ooh, he's going down the ladder. I like it. Okay, Bell Racing. Uh, Grace, we'll have you lead with this. Well, like I said, when we were talking about barrel racing, I, I'm i going to go with Donna K. Rule. I think, I mean, she's old. Everybody wants to see her win because that just proves that, like, anybody can go out there and win the barrel racing. And I definitely think Brittany Posey-Tonzi is going to come out gunning for the money, and so is Haley Kinsley. Kinsley, Kinsley what? Kinsley. Kinsley. Because she's won the past two NFRs, but I'm going with Donna K. Rule. All right. Uh Okay, I really like Jimmy Smith uh, with being down in fourth. I think that kind of puts you in a nice position. Um, but I got to go with Haley Kinsley. Um, I think she keeps her run alive. I think she'll catch Posey. It's, it's still a pretty close race in the money. Um, so that's that's my pick. So I think I'm just going to stay with the uh, highest money earner right now, Brittany Posey-Tonzi. I feel like she does have 14 appearances definitely i mean she's probably got more than all the other girls combined it looks like two world titles um i think she's been putting a little bit of effort into developing her her racing pedigree at home and so i think she's starting to get into some of these horses that she's bred she's trained raised from babies so um i think she's gonna i think she's going to bring home the gold buckle with a homegrown horse peanut gallery I'm going to go with Grace on this one. I want the old lady to win. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like it. Okay, let's turn our attention to the last event. It's the Bulls. I'm going to get it one day. Um, Sage Kimsey, the favorite. Uh, um, but, okay, I'm going to kind of go outside here. 
Um, I'm going to say Stetson Wright gets super hot at the NFR. I'm going to say he tears it up. Um, I'm going to go with Stetson Wright, world champ. I just don't think you can really knock Sage Kimsey down from his pedestal. T- yeah, pedestal. I'm going to call it his chair because <laughs> he's a king in the bull riding. But I do know that Kai Hamilton, he's coming out strong. It's his first NFR appearance, 20 years old, and he wants to win this. But I'm sticking with good old Sage Kimsey. The generic pick. Okay, Amos, what do yeah, you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay generic. I mean, come on, dude. Seven appearances, six world titles. I, it's only a 3K lead, but I think it's kind of been an abnormal year for bull riding. Not many as many tour stops, as many extreme mm-hmm. tour events to hit. So, you know, I think Kimsey, like Grace said, it's, you know, it's his throne. Everybody's just kind of playing there in his castle, so... Peanut Gallery, you will make our final pick. I'm very excited to hear it. I don't think you'll be excited. I'm going to go with the first one, Sage Kimsey. <laughs> he looked like just his stats are just too stacked for me not to pick. Six world titles. You can't argue against that. Six huh? out of seven? I mean, it's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. All right. Well, uh, I hope you guys are going to enjoy the NFR. Amos, will you give people a quick uh, reminder or, you know, update on on where they can watch sure so it's been kind of hard to follow where you can watch the nfr lately it seems they've kind of bounced through networks they're trying to figure out their streaming platform um so what i found is there's two channels on tv that you can watch rfd tv and then there's also the cowboy channel that's probably with your local channel uh, cable provider and or your dish satellite provider and also you can go to the intranet and download the cowboy channel app pay a yearly subscription free and live stream the rodeo and i think if i'm not mistaken from what i've seen with the app there's going to be a lot more to watch than just the performances you're going to be able to watch the awards banquet at the end of the rodeo they're going to do some uh, other stuff through the day there are it is worth mentioning there are a lot of other events going on at the same time as the NFR. There's the breakaway rope and you have uh, – they're not doing the Miss Rodeo America this year, are they? No, just because of COVID, Miss Rodeo America this year wasn't able to go around and do the stops that she's wanted to and visit all the rodeos and places. So she's going to go so a full year go again. Go another year. So having said that, but there is, you know, normally the Miss Rodeo America every year in conjunction with the NFR. But there's just a lot of other things. I think, you know, usually they have the World Series of Team Roping. They have the junior NFR stuff like that. So um, if you want to, you know, just veg out the subscription and the app for the Cowboy Channel might be the way to go. Okay, Peanut Gallery, before we wrap up the show, any last questions, comments that we need to address? No, I just really hope one of you guys buys it so I can watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. We're going to party it up, watch the NFR. I'm excited. Good. All right, I hope the rest of you are excited. I hope you're uh, into the NFR. If you're new, go ahead and watch it. I mean, it's a good time. It's really fun. Uh, I think you'll be be entertained for sure. Um, And there's lots of fun games you can play out there. Just search, you know, NFR games to play. You'll get the gist once you figure out what it means. Um, So I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Enjoy the NFR. Peace out. Thank you for 
for listening to this episode of Electric Sports Talk. Tune in next time as Ty Crystal and guests break down all things sports here on Electric Sports Talk. Our topics include all things soccer, football, basketball, mixed martial arts, motorsports, baseball, golf, hockey, Olympic, and world sports. If you like what we're doing here at Electric Sports Talk, get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or email us at electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. 